0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmear's Day, September 5th, 2022. On the show today, news, surveys, and listener questions. Then in our main segment, today marks 28 years since 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea closed at Walt Disney World, and Jim tells us how Disney cast members sabotaged Disney's then president Michael Ovitz's attempt to save the ride. Jim, I think that's literally the only thing I can think. Michael Ovitz, four. Anyway, let's get started by bringing in the man who says that caller ID isn't enough. He wants to know why you're calling as well. It's Mr. Jim Hill.
1: Jim, how's it going? Doesn't it bother you when they call the house how these people are so certain that your car's warranty is about to expire? I mean, no right? <laughs> that's very specific information. It's, it's kind of like someone calling your house and saying, hey, I you know, you're almost out of milk and bread. Do you want me to pick some up? <laughs> exactly.
0: It's a brave new world we're living in, Jim.
1: I'm in the car and I wheel around every so often, look over my shoulder because they clearly have seen the odometer.
0: All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at disneydish.bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers Ralph DeVarona, Anne Rooms, and Karen Hill, and longtime subscribers Vincent Mastriani, Donna Ivy, and Swan Dolphin. Jim, these are the folks who do the makeup during the Lion King segment of Fantasmic over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. They say that it takes a long time and a lot of skill to get those neon ostriches and electric green elephants just right, but they practiced by going out on Lady Gaga's
1: Chromatica Ball Tour this summer. So they're all in good shape. True story. I was wondering where folks honed those very specific skills. And, and now. Makes perfect yeah, sense. It,
0: it is. It's, it's, a, it's a very narrow band of, uh, of needs. Oh, but yeah. fortunately, the entertainment industry, everybody talks. There we go. And job opportunities are easy to come by. Fair enough. All right. right Jim, let's do the news. Folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations. trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish Podcast for a very free travel experience every time book online at storybookdestinations.com all right jim you and i are doing the second annual gingerbread challenge in walt disney world starting friday december 2nd and we're doing a live podcast recording on december 2nd as well tickets are available at touringplans.com 2022 slash disney dish also uh jim uh disney's released galactic star cruiser dates for 2023 and you and i and hank lonely are doing the voyage on march 30th we've already got something like 16 cabins booked. Which, Jim, I have to say, is a lot of Wookiees. <laughs> so if you... If my folks, people! If you, my people! I know, exactly. <laughs> we call it our base, Jim. There we go. Anyway, if you'd like to join a band of stellar misfits on this journey for the ages, visit storybookdestinations.com slash Dish to get a quote. All right, Jim, over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, cast member rehearsals have started for Fantasmic, so it looks like that's coming back sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Nice date for the official reopening might be October 1st. I'm just spitballing. And speaking of October 1st,
1: is Disney planning anything for October 1st? I mean, it's Epcot's 40th, right? Well, no, but they have told (laughs) us when the 50th is ending, which uh, uh, makes me crazy because they did, in fact, get what they wanted. They wanted that, let's announce it for a year, but get an 18-month-long celebration. So it sure, ends, exactly. what is it, March 31st of, of 2023. And I think for a lot of us, this sorry excuse for a 50th anniversary can't limp off stage fast enough. Remember, what was it the 25th that Epcot actually got shamed into having an anniversary event because the fans did their own private event? I think at this point, it's like, look, when we finish turning this into a year long festival thing, then we'll celebrate. But you know, for now it's like shut up, be quiet, go buy some merch. Yeah.
0: I mean I think I think the construction work at Epcot kind of precludes it from being a big fortieth mm-hmm. thing. Nobody wants photos of Epcot's construction walls to be the headline around any sort of celebration events, so
1: on the other hand, they could hang up some nice happy 40th anniversary signs inside of Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind because I understand the lights come on in there a lot.
0: <laughs> apparently so. Apparently so. I saw those uh, videos uh, as well. It's uh, it's not quite as dramatic as when Space Mountain lights come
1: on. Oh but. no! But it's so nice to see that Disney is now staging thrill rides inside of the event facility at the Holiday Inn in Dubuque. <laughs> Was there a sale on gray carpet and gray paint? I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like you see the uh, the
0: you go to like a modern restaurant these days and you look up and the entire ceiling is painted black and you just know that someone took a very large spray <laughs> system from Home Depot and was just like you know what all of this up here. Yeah, is black. yeah. Oof. But here, here it's a go away gray. All mm-hmm. right, fair enough. All right, on to other things. Tron Jim, was spotted doing some preliminary cycle testing earlier this week at the Magic Kingdom, and I mention this because it's right after I took six hours of the weekend to (laughs) write a blog post explaining why Tron will not open in 2022, Mm -hmm. which was in itself, Jim, a reversal of my original December 1st prediction. I feel like one of those NFL talking heads who does 16 mock drafts and then says, I called it when somebody from SIN, Boise State, gets drafted in the seventh round. But
1: God, yeah. Remember, Len, there's a long time between now and, and December 1st. That's time for at least five reversals from the Walt Disney company. Sure, sure.
0: One of the things I pointed out is that if you look at when so this is very preliminary mm-hmm. testing of the ride system, you know, make sure all the bolts are screwed in tight and stuff like mm-hmm. that. This is not actually like uh, reliability testing. And no. and reliability testing for for Remy took mm-hmm. many months. I think it started in May and the ride opened in October. And I think Guardian started in like mid March for a memorial day opening so that takes that takes months um, and some of those decisions around opening are also marketing related mm-hmm. so we'll see on that anyway uh while we're on the subject of opening day predictions mm-hmm. our friends over at wdw magic are saying that a late october opening of blizzard beach is possible they note that uh, construction of a raft carrying conveyor belt is part of the work being done now so a special shout out to suzanne one of our listeners who wrote into the july 25th show with that exact piece of information. So, thank you, Suzanne. Yes, thank you. Also, Jim, I want to get your uh, input on this. The uh, Wall Street Journal is reporting that Disney's looking into an Amazon Prime style rewards program, which would, would potentially offer free shipping, discounts, and special perks to people who spend more at the parks and on Disney. And, Jim, let me say that as one of the outliers in that category, bring it on, baby. <laughs> I mean, free shipping doesn't do anything for me because I don't buy merch. Mm. Uh, but theme park rewards, I would take all day long. If there's a platinum level style thing, where one of the seven dwarves pressed cold towels on my forehead to cool me off. That's appealing to me, Jim.
1: But uh, but what do you what do you make of this? I get concerned that the Walt Disney Company these days seems so concerned about founding new ways into my wallet. The Wall Street Journal is reporting this in just this past weekend. By the way, congratulations to you, Mr. Testa, having been quoted in a piece in the Wall Street Journal where they actually flat out talked about this. We have a new plan. We're going after... Fewer people in the park, but getting them to spend more money. And it just, the whole nakedly greedy mouse thing isn't a good look. And the fact that we have the third anniversary of Disney Plus coming up, you know, Mm -hmm. fairly shortly, and all of the people who got in at the earlier lower rate are now going to have to start paying top dollar for the subscription streaming service, which again, I don't mind because I like the quality of the stuff they deliver, but it's all of these things coming into the, the narrative at the same time, to the effect of fewer people, but we want them to spend more money. We're raising the rates at D23. Oh, by the way, we're inventing this thing that's like Amazon Prime that you'll have to pay a fee for every year. And it's like, I was literally visiting with a family friend yesterday who brought this whole issue up unprompted. about I'm hearing how expensive it is, and it's like, yeah, this isn't going to be a problem this quarter or this year. But Len, two and three years down the line, we're yep. peaking, you know, especially with, given what's going on in the economy? It's, uh.
0: We have a, uh, we have a, a listener uh, question or a listener email uh, about this related topic, but let me, let me just throw in here mm-hmm. a, uh, an email that I received from a Touring Plans user who'd been around for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. And because you know, 15 years ago we didn't have very many users, I would often offer personal help Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, somebody would write in with a very detailed question and I would take the time, mm-hmm. even if it was like an hour or two, you know, to answer their trip planning questions. And I can't do that now, obviously, because we have hundreds of thousands of users. But, you know, I make an exception for people who've been around a long time and, and who helped us out you know, in the mm-hmm. beginning. Anyway, this uh, this person's email, you know, gave their basic trip things and they said, you know, we haven't been to Walt Disney World in 10 years, but my husband was trying to, do, was doing the budget And he said that we need to allocate eighteen hundred dollars for something called Genie Plus and individual Lightning Lane. Can you look over his calculations (sighs) to make sure if he was right? And it was seven people going for eight days over Christmas, so I understand why they need it. (laughs) I was like, I went through the math. I'm like, yeah, he's off by four (laughs) dollars, but eighteen hundred dollars for Genie Plus and Lightning Lane. And she ended the email with like, I thought
1: this was supposed to be free. Yeah. 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 (laughs) See, I don't think Disney is taking this into consideration that they're not thinking about the conversations that are happening at the dining room table about this and at family events and and that sort of thing that... When this takes hold, the way I think it's going to take hold, this is going to be tough to turn around. Len, they're going to have to start building F tickets, where again, you know, the, <laughs> the dwarf brings you the cool towel. All right, exactly, that is exactly. the only way that they're going to have to deliver things. Where it's like, yeah, I yeah, went it. into the building and I came out with wings. This is pretty cool. That's the only way Disney's going to get around this.
0: I mean, I, I do think there is a uh, there is a belief in management, mm-hmm. current management, that it is future management's problem to deal with that. <laughs> Uh, honest to god like i i uh, that's a core belief i'm not i'm not joking i think that's that's true anyway let's move on to surveys because then we'll come back to this uh in a second so scott writes in with this experience on the disney website uh, i was looking at the walt disney world website to try and find a specific date for a family member who's traveling later this year and i found the site to be unusually free of glitches with none of the usual page freezing and slow loading so jim in and of itself that's news um but (laughs) but scott uh continues when i was leaving the site i got a survey and from the questions asked it was clear that they didn't know me because there were lots of demographic questions, family size, ages, and such. Um, And I wonder if they were trying something uh, different with using fewer cookies. Mm -hmm. Uh, See the attached screenshot that includes question about my website experience. And the reason why I'm mentioning this, we've seen the question before, but the way Scott laid out this scenario got me to reconsider Mm -hmm. the purpose of one of these questions. So here's the question that, that Scott sent in. Please tell us how far in advance you booked or reserved at least one trip component, travel, hotel, or activities for your upcoming Walt Disney World trip. So the options are within two weeks of my visit, within three or four weeks of my visit, two to three months before my visit, four to six months, seven to 12 months, or more than a year before my visit. And and here's my question, Jim. Disney knows that the only trip component you can book more than 60 days out right now is the hotel room because restaurants and tours can only be booked 60 days out and Genie Plus has to be booked day of. So is anyone at Disney looking at these responses and saying, you know, people are really interested in booking six months out. Maybe we should let them. Like, why ask the question if you can't do anything about it? Is it just this case of like, we've asked this question for seven years and we're just going to keep asking it because it's on autopilot?
1: I can't help but think you might be onto to something here especially when you considered the anecdotal story you were just telling about yeah. the $1,800 worth of... Well, that's of, the thing, mm-hmm. right?
0: If it, if it got to the point where... And this, the, the person I was talking about who had booked eight hundred dollars had already made their hotel reservations mm-hmm. and started buying airline tickets, so they were kind of locked in. Mm-hmm. But at this point, if the only thing I can book is my hotel room, mm-hmm. and then I start doing the budget and realize, you know, man, this is going to cost me a lot more than I think, mm-hmm. you can cancel that hotel room without penalty... And I'm just wondering, like, if Disney lets people book everything in advance to where it's just more effort to go through to cancel, would it be better for Disney because fewer people would cancel figuring like, I don't want to go through the hassle of canceling all of that.
1: On the other hand, I just can't help but think you book your hotels 60 days out and then concentrate on dining and then concentrate on your Lightning Lane, your Genie Plus If you're doing that six months out, and you at that moment you realize how truly complicated a Disney World vacation is, yeah, how Mm -hmm. many people will suddenly tap the brakes? Oh, that's true. Yeah, you could wait until the last minute and be like, "Well, if
0: we don't go here, we're not going." You know, I don't know where else we're going, so we might as well bite the bullet. Okay, yeah, that's an interesting thing. That's a good counterpoint. Okay. All right. Uh, Here's an email from Carrie who says that I might die from excitement. First, my heart is going crazy because I actually have a survey snip. The email to you after five plus years of listening so thank mm-hmm. you carrie and secondly the survey itself had a very interesting option as one of their answers mm-hmm. it is the legit holy cannoli All Right. <laughs> the survey okay. asks about where i had problems today on the disney website uh, i've highlighted my answer in blue mm-hmm. uh but the answer to down from there please disney please bring back my favorite ride so carrie writes in and sends in this screen snip uh mm-hmm. and it's a dvc question mm-hmm. and it asks uh what were you trying to do on the website today when you encountered a search error And some of the options are, I was trying to request additional DVC points. Mm -hmm. I was trying to book theme park reservations. I was trying to use the resort availability tool. uh, Mm -hmm. Carrie picked, I was trying to book a DVC resort reservation online. But the answer to down from that that Carrie references is, I was trying to book Disney's Magical Express for an upcoming reservation. Mm -hmm. And all I'm going to say here is, whoever's running this survey, Mm -hmm. sit down and have a drink because I have some really bad news for you about (laughs) Magical Express. (laughs) You're not going to like it, man. You're not going to like
1: it. (laughs) The nice thing is, Len, that, you know, at least, you know, they can then go home and play Disney Infinity or break out their (laughs) Epic Mickey. All right. On to listener questions uh, from Jerry. He says,
0: uh, hi, Len and Jim. Uh, We've been going to Disney World as a multi-generational family with my parents, my two sisters, my three nieces and me for many years. We love it. And it is a special place for us. We went in April and had a great time. we're definitely feeling the pinch of the added costs, including airport transfers, lightning lane, ticket price increases, and so on. I started the process of planning another trip, but for the first time, I got pushback from my sisters over costs. They said we should take the kids to Rome instead. I priced it out, and it's actually slightly cheaper to take eight people to Italy for a week Hmm. than to Disney World. So now I think we'll go to Europe next year instead of Disney. We can't be the only ones doing this calculation. Do you think it's sustainable for Disney? keep moving in a direction of fewer guests, but higher revenue due to increased cost per guest. So Jim, we just talked about this. We did. And I love the fact that you can go to Europe mm-hmm. cheaper than <laughs> cheaper than Walt Disney World. I did, a, um, I did a similar thing back in 2012. I think I've talked about this. Well, there's Laurel and I and Hannah, my two nieces and my mother. We went to Europe for almost a month and it cost less than three of us on an ABD trip uh, for a week. Wow. This is the thing. I mean, I think if you were saying like, you know, I'm going to go to, I don't know, you know, I'm going to go to Las Vegas for a week. That's mm-hmm. Las Vegas is a fun trip and everything and, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's probably cheaper than Disney World. But saying that you're going to Europe or to Rome no. where we can sit at Disney
1: World, that to me in terms of like, you know, family memories, those oh, no, are no absolutely. Yeah. Taking kids at a formative age to a different country and immersing them in the culture. I mean, you that's what makes you a, a lifelong world traveler. You you get that taste. That's something that Disney needs to look at, and it's like, those are potential lifelong kids who'd love to go to Disney World who now have another option. And it's like a lot of the stuff that's put in place right now, which will, you know, again, you know, Mr. Chapek talk, you know, every quarter, oh, we're making more money. We got to work. We got no problems. Again,
0: yeah, that's future marketing's problem, my future management problem, Especially the thing with Europe where it's like, like, I've used Epcot's World Showcase as mm-hmm. inspiration to go to the real countries mm-hmm. but these kids they're 8 11 and 14 uh, mm-hmm. according to Jerry they're gonna go to the real Italy and then ask themselves later on mm-hmm. why would I go to World Showcase when I've already been to the real country there what's the go. point yeah and especially I mean in Jerry's Jerry's other point was that you know the dollar versus the euro is very strong right now Oh, absolutely. So it's actually it's like
1: cheap to go yeah just by chance one of Jerry's sister's names wouldn't be Gidget <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'll
0: ask. I got okay. his email address.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. No. All
0: right. We also got a, a an email from Melissa and about a bajillion other people mm-hmm. who said this. Uh, I literally laughed out loud during your recent episode when you mentioned the Facebook Walt Disney World dining, hoarding, exchanging groups. Mm-hmm. Travel agents hate these groups for the most part, and there are several. Here's where I use the phrase, this is why we can't have nice things. Mm-hmm. I think Disney's got to be aware at some level that this exists, but sometimes when mentioning this to the Walt Disney World call center agents, they seem genuinely shocked that it happens. Mm-hmm. Even when uh, flooding emails to our guest communications to our Disney reps, nothing changes. I'm not sure how Disney can close this loophole. Charge up front, prohibit multiple reservations for single restaurants in a day. Those are all good points. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, so one of the issues, I think, is that you can create multiple MDE accounts for the same person. So you can use multiple MDE accounts to make multiple dining reservations. Now there are other services that when you create an account, they require a unique phone number for each username, which prevents you from doing multiple accounts for the same person. But I'm not sure how this would work for families in MDE because kids probably don't have their own phone numbers. Ooh. So, but here's what I was thinking, Jim, because Walt Disney World already has a policy in place for these sorts of things. So one solution might be for every time you make a dining reservation, just charge X dollars per reservation and do, then do a sliding scale for refunds like they do for hotel rooms. So if you, you know, like for a hotel reservation, if you cancel more than 30 days in advance, you get your money back. But within 30 days, you lose a portion. And then within like five days, you lose it all. They could do the same thing for dining reservations. The downside is, is that booking things at Walt Disney World is already a complicated process. Yeah. And this... Would make it even more complicated, and I say that, Jim, as someone who makes a living off of explaining uh, Disney complexity. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need that more. But, uh, but Melissa sent in this um, a, a couple of snips of different Facebook groups. There's this one called um, Disney Dining Reservation Exchange Drop Ad, which mm-hmm. has thirty-three thousand people in it. Oof. Another one has forty thousand. Mm-hmm. Another one has eight point two thousand, and so on. So yeah, I mean, there's a ton of people you know,
1: doing exactly this. And, you know, it's impacting the rest of us. I guess more power to people who figured out how to game the system. But again, uh, the rest of us are just trying to get inside and look at the giant window and look out at space.
0: Exactly, exactly. All right, Jim, one last uh, email and I want your input on this. Uh, For our listeners, let me set this up. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know that Touring Plans has a database of the view you get from almost every hotel room in Walt Disney World. So we have more than 35,000 photos at this point. And we ask our users to send in photos of their hotel rooms so we can fill in any gaps we have. And, you know, we can also see how things like the landscaping grows over time and how the view changes and so on. So we got a Wilderness Lodge room photo from a woman named Karen and Jim. I'm going to let you describe it because it has to be one of the worst hotel room views I have ever seen.
1: (laughs) Wow. Okay. You are looking out at all... Of Fort Wilderness's soiled linen, and to add to the joy of this, you know, all of these things that are filled with dirty pillowcases and quilts and the like—it's got that lovely industrial lighting thing going on as <laughs> yeah. well. Also, a, just beautifully centered it is a, a giant drain. <laughs> Forgot to mention. Yeah,
0: so this is a photo at night, and there are dozens and dozens mm. of huge containers in blue and white yeah. filled overflowing with dirty towels and it's all lined up and this is the this is what you see straight on by the way this is room 3562 at boulder ridge and and karen writes it is literally the worst view and Mm -hmm. it's really far from the lobby Mm -hmm. uh we asked to be moved and eventually they got moved where they had a lovely view of resort and fireworks but still this has to be one of the worst hotel reviews i have ever seen in my entire life yeah it's classic You know what's missing from this? A raccoon going through the trash.
1: (laughs) Like, that would have been the piece de resistance right there. That would have been the cherry on top. (laughs) To be honest, Len, just get a cast member in the Miko outfit, all right? Exactly. People pay top dollar for the animal view over at at Kidani or Animal Kingdom Lodge. You know, it's like, what would it cost to put a cast member out there in a Miko outfit? It's like, honey, get the camera (laughs) on. That would have have made it better, right? At least you would have seen something. (laughs) All right. That's how Disney can
0: salvage this view.
1: There we go.
0: All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim tells us how then-Disney president Michael Ovitz tried to save 20,000 leagues under the sea and how it failed. We'll be right back. Jim, we are now on the anniversary of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea closing. I am old enough to remember the ride and being on it, and I was super sad when it closed. But why don't you give us the entire story, because apparently it came
1: close to coming back. First of all, I need help from a Disney World employee. To be specific, I need help from somebody who used to work in the Magic Kingdom back in the late 1980s, early 1990s. Now, the the reason I'm asking for help is, Len, there used to be this one-page newsletter that that theme park printed and distributed to cast members who just worked at the Magic Kingdom. The newsletter was different than the Eyes and Ears, and that was the weekly newspaper, not a newsletter, that the resort then printed and distributed to all cast members. And so this publication, which I think was called the Kingdom Cast, printed on different color paper stock each week. Just looking for some to hope to get the specific name for this thing, but... On the other hand, lot had lots of friends who worked at the resort at the time who would slip me copies of all sorts of in-house publications, which then allowed hey, me... Guys to, talk, you hear things. There you go. Okay, so anyway, late August of 1994, Len, I get sent a copy of this particular Magic Kingdom-only newsletter, which includes a brief item, which I'm recalling from memory now, which said, Any and all cast members who worked at 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea over the past 23 years are invited to come by this Fantasyland attraction on the night of Monday, September 5th. We'd like to get together as many current and former 20K employees for a group photo in front of that attraction's marquee so that this image can then be used to commemorate the closing of the Disney World favorite. Mm. It then goes on to say that after the Magic Kingdom officially closes for the nat- that night, all Walt Disney World cast members are then welcome to come by the subs and get in one last ride before twenty thousand leagues closes for good. So I immediately realized this is like huge, huge news. You know, that Disney World is closing the subs at the Magic Kingdom. And and since I was friendly with Leslie Doolittle, the reporter who wrote the on tourism column for the Sentinel, Mm -hmm. I give Leslie a call and read her this item straight out of the Magic Kingdom employee newsletter verbatim. And so Leslie then reports this news in her very next on, on tourism column, which then prompts Walt Disney World officials to lose their minds.
0: Which Jim was this the first time that they lost their minds over something that you knew? <laughs> was, was this the is this your
1: origin story? Well, no, actually, <laughs> the, the, you know, Leslie, I, I, I don't know if I've, I've ever told you about how it was a, the day after my daughter was born. I had Alice asleep on my shoulder and was reading the Sentinel, and they had a story about Animal Kingdom about what was potentially going to go in Disney's fourth theme park, and I think I've told you about. The previous summer, how I wandered up to somebody with, you know, a, 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 a clipboard. clipboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, that's, so that's the origin story. That's right, the origin. Okay. You know, so at that point, Leslie and I are friendly because she's like, Ooh, Jim has toys and he shares them.
0: So you call Leslie, you're like, Hey, they're gathering all the cast members in front of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea for a commemorative photo before it closes. This is the beauty
1: part. Senior management, initially, you know, it's like they flat out deny. That this attraction mm. is colluded. And in fact, they actually insist on the Sentinel printing attraction. I drive down to the Sentinel. I show Leslie the newsletter. She prints a copy, which she then shares with the head of Disney's PR department. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> And so now it's like, all right. Okay. Oh, oh, uh, that, that that
0: employee newsletter. Oh, oh yeah, okay, okay. okay <laughs> you know. I thought you were talking about the
1: credit union or something. My <laughs> bad, my bad. <laughs> there you go. But now it's like, okay, okay, yes. Twenty thousand leagues will be closing on on September fifth, nineteen ninety four. But the, what was published in the Magic Kingdom employee newsletters is incorrect. that this will not be closing permanently, but rather 20K will be going down for a lengthy rehab, a really lengthy heat rehab, the longest ever in this attractions history. So, what you're saying, Jim, is it could come back. <laughs> there we go. There we go. At some
0: point, Jim, as you're spinning around Seven Dwarves Mine Train, a Oof. Nautilus submarine uh, con tower is going to pop up out of nowhere. And
1: like, Wait a second. You guys moved on? What? <laughs> wow. Okay. How long have I been down here? Well, here's what they're saying. You'd arrive at the Magic Kingdom, you'd be so excited, and then you'd see the maintenance rehab board, and it's like, oh, man, 20K is down again. Every year, it would have to go down for a months-long rehab. You know, they have to yeah. drain the lagoon, they have to repaint the coral that's been bleached by the Florida sun. I only remember being on it a couple of times, yeah. and, and I started going to Walt
0: Disney World in '74. Mm-hmm. so in the 20 years between... The time I started
1: going, the time I closed, I, I didn't remember being on it like two or three times. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely a crapshoot. But yeah. what senior management said at that time, on the heels of the Sentinel article, was like, oh, 20K is now closing for a top-to-bottom overhaul. This will be a two-year-long project, but the good news is that work would be completed in time for Disney World's 25th anniversary celebration, which is supposed to begin in October of 1996. Which is just not the truth at all. The Magic Kingdom employee newsletter had actually got everything right. 20K was closing for good September of 94, but not for the reasons you think. Euro Disney opens in April of 1992. Park itself does well attendance-wise, not so much when we talk about those six on-site hotels. Project quickly gets weighed down by enormous debt. Eisner actually talks about closing the place in December of 93, unless some sort of new financial arrangement can be reached with the 30 banks that originally funded construction of this $4.4 billion thing. Deal is reached in the late winter, early spring of 94, but one of the conditions is the Disney company has to suspend collection of any royalty payments that the company was going to get from the Euro Disney project from 1994 to 1998. Oof, okay. And the thing is, with this new agreement, financial restructuring, it saves Euro Disney, but it chokes off a huge revenue stream for the right. Walt Disney they, that they had anticipated. Right? They had anticipated. That's the it exactly. Condition. So yeah, word yeah, comes down true. from Ohio that all divisions of the Mouse House now have to tighten their belts. They have to economize. And at Walt Disney World, twenty k is just this every year. It's a money suck. But it's like, oh my God, our get out of jail free card. Here's this idiot coming down from on high, saying, you know, you got to economize. So let's shut down the expensive to maintain, difficult to operate, twenty k. And the beauty part, not their fault. They're just following corporate's orders. Now, what Disney World management doesn't anticipate is on the heels of Leslie Doodle's story, the resort now gets flooded with letters and phone calls begging. Magic Kingdom managers to change their minds, to save this opening day attraction, which again now brings us back to the whole, the subs will be back up and running in 96 just in time for the 25th anniversary story. It's just the lie that the company quickly puts out there to deflect and divert from what quickly has become a PR nightmare. So now we jump ahead to August of 1995, which was when Michael Ovitz, previously the head of CAA and and once thought to be the most powerful man in Hollywood, becomes the new president of the Walt Disney Company. Michael Eisner hires Ovitz to be his new second-in-command following the tragic death of Frank Wells in April of 94. And Ovitz, you know, he wants to hit the ground running. Prove to Eisner that he's an extremely valuable member of the Disney team. So it's now September of 95, and Ovitz, because he wants to learn everything he can about every aspect of the Walt Disney Company, is now on a familiarization tour of the entire corporation, and one of his first stops is Walt Disney World. And so Ovitz, a very data-driven guy, and he knows about these now thousands of letters and phone calls that Walt Disney World has gotten about 20K. And so the Walt Disney World managers are saying publicly, that only temporary closed, you are know, going to be open again in time for the 25th anniversary. And again, that starts October of 1996. So Ovitz arrives on Disney property and says, I heard about the Magic Kingdom's 20K problem, and I'd like to personally check out that ride while I'm down here in Florida. Maybe once I see it, I can make some recommendations, maybe help speed along the funding you need to get that ride. Let me see what I can do, right? And seeing as Ovitz is the newly installed second-in-command of the entire Walt Disney Company, Walt Disney with Senior Management, when they hear this request, they're like, sure, Absolutely. We'd love to do that Mr. <laughs> Tell you what, we're going to come by your hotel first thing tomorrow morning and take you straight over to Magic Kingdom before the park opens to the public. And we need a really big breakfast. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of coffee. Here Lots we go. of coffee. And that way you could see for yourself the challenges we're facing when bringing this Fantasyland ride back up in time for the 25th anniversary. the first week. Yeah. We'd love to hear your recommendations. So, Mr. Mm. had his big breakfast. <laughs> He's standing there at 7 a.m. There in the queue of of 20,000 Leagues, as this sub that is loudly belching smoke comes rumbling (laughs) into. This is is basically the nautical equivalent of the
0: Beverly Hillbillies truck. Oh,
1: no, no, absolutely. (laughs) All right. But but wait, it gets better. Okay, so remember, the lid lifts up. He now goes down the stairs into the actual sub, comes down the stairs and finds a quarter of an inch of water sloshing. In the bottom There's, of the boat There are fish flopping <laughs> around inside and Ovitz, you know, with his lovely, expensive shoes, sort of looks at the cast member, and they're like, I'm so sorry, Mr. Ovitz, but you have to understand, a lot of our subs are over 20 years old, and, and so many of them have developed pinhole leaks over time. And then the sub lurches out of the dock <laughs> and takes Ovitz and, you know, a, a handful of executives on this jerky trip around the entire ride track, with the soundtrack barely audible through the right. crackling speakers. <laughs> there know. we go alright so as you mentioned the boat pulls into the dock and, and Michael quickly climbs you, know, out. you know, there's like there's like diesel fumes on the inside. oh yeah the, and the mill back train. and forth yeah. oh god <laughs> So now he turns to the, the, the Magic oh, Kingdom God. managers and says, okay, so. <laughs> and the, you know, the managers are
0: like, wow, that was, that was better than average. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, was, no. Wow, c- can't believe it worked that well for you.
1: <laughs> hey, we made it back. Good. Okay. <laughs> but Ovid <laughs> says, well, how much is it going to take to fix it? And he then gets quoted a number that was supposedly more than the resort was going to spend on the entire 25th anniversary celebration. And it's like, Ovitz knew that a redo of the subs that was going to be that expensive was a non-starter without. Eisner, especially at this, this time in the company's history, you know, again, on the hills of the whole Euro Disney debt reorg and, you know, and the royalty payments being deferred. Especially, you know, again, with the company being told, you know, hey, every division, economize, cut back. And so, Ovitz standing there, he to look he wants to show Eisner that, that he can make the tough call. So, after hearing what it you know, was supposedly going to cost to bring back the subs, he Turns out managers and said, "Well, I guess we better cancel this rehab project and close twenty k for good." And the Walt Disney World managers standing over there like, "No, really? You know, I'll, oh. I'll, are you sure? Are you, one more ride just to make sure." <laughs>
0: He's walking out of the, he's walking off the sub and his shoes are making that squish,
1: squish noise from being waterlogged. There we go. <laughs> Mike, Michael, I've got some bad news for you. <laughs> this is why early part of 96, just a few months after Ovitz visited Walt Disney World for that fam trip, Bruce Lavelle, who at that time was the vice president for operations, does an interview with the Sentinel. And, and Bruce tells Leslie that we were originally pursuing a short term strategy For 20K, something that would have allowed us to reopen the subs with minor enhancements, but we found that there was just no way we could accomplish it by this summer. Now, what Bruce is saying in early 1996 is very different from what the resort was saying in the fall of 94. Back then, remember, it's it we're shutting 20K down for two years. We're going to do a top-to-bottom redo. It's going to be yeah. look better than ever for Walt Disney World's 25th anniversary. But now, April of 96, no, 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 we were looking minor enhancements. But even that is going to be impossible to pull off by the summer of 96, which brings Lavelle to uh, what he next told the Sentinel. It's like, we are abandoning those plans for the subs and are now exploring other long-term options. So then, would it really surprise you to learn that in the middle of the hoopla for the launch of Walt Disney World's 25th anniversary in October of 1996. They're like, yes, you know, look at our cake castle and look at our wonderful new parade. And oh, by the way, the subs are closed forever. And hey, look over
0: there, Spectrum Magic. I mean, the, the cake castle, is kind of like lighting your car on fire to distract your date from your ugly outfit. Like, maybe not the best
1: choice, but okay. But again, it's, it's closed permanently. it on the recommendation of Michael Ovitz, the president of the Walt Disney Company. Someone in management made that call, not us. As you mentioned at the top of the show, these Walt Disney World managers, when they brought Michael Ovitz to the Magic Kingdom early that September morning back in 1995, had totally sandbagged him. And I got this from a veteran uh, park employee, and he told me the whole thing. First thing they did, they got there early in the morning, they went through all 14 subs and picked out the worst one. They then brought in a veteran ride operator and quietly took him inside and said, look, you have to give Ovid's the roughest possible ride experience. So it's going to hit the brake, hit the accelerator, hit the brake, hit the accelerator. And then to seal the deal, they actually go out to the sub's lagoon and grab several buckets of water and throw them down (laughs) into the sub. (laughs) Because again, this one's in tough shape, but it does have a pinhole leak. Okay, so we make it look like it has a pinhole leak. And Michael Ovitz, the man who made the permanent closure of the subs at Walt Disney were possible because he fell for this ruse. Mm-hmm. He doesn't last at the Disney company. Eisner fires him. Yeah. I mean, he stays long enough to have a cup of coffee in uh, the Imagineering, right? He's out in 15 months. And largely because Eisner didn't think he was all that good a fit for Disney. And... Magic Kingdom managers were grateful that he was there for those 15 months because, you know, in September of 95, he made it possible to do what they couldn't, which was close the subs for good, which then left a huge chunk of Fantasyland open for redevelopment. We officially learned that the new Fantasyland project is in development till September of 2009. fact, I think, I, I think right. at the very first D23 Expo, that was the big news that broke. Well, that was one of the that was one of the things that you actually had before D twenty three, and that well, was I mean I remember that. Yeah, yeah. but there were also a, a number of folks who yeah. did a good job with that story. But yeah, it took us thirteen years before that went forward. But I think anybody who's been watching Tron Light Cycle take five years to get up out of the ground now understands that you know it's the Magic Kingdom, it's a construction project, it's going to take a while. Yeah. It just that there's a a veteran Magic Kingdom employee out there who remembers the name of that newsletter, I'm almost 90 percent sure it was kingdom cast but yeah if somebody wants to volunteer that info but but again i, I just remember clear as day that that, that little item there. there's like hey yeah we want everybody uh you know to show for that group photo in fact if there's somebody out there who's a listener of the show who hmm. was part of that group photo we'd love to hear about it or a better yet, if you got the photo to share send it along oh that'd be fantastic i'd love to see it too yeah folks
0: if you uh if you uh if this was you or if you know anybody that uh Might be you. Uh, Send in the the photos if you can. That'd be great. All right, folks. That's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please help support our show and Jim Hill Media by subscribing over to DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. And there you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. I think the next Bandcamp exclusive, Jim, is on how Tomorrowland became the land on the move. We go. On uh, next week's show, it's the anniversary of Captain EO opening at Epcot. We'll talk about that and how it was part of then-new CEO Michael Eisner's plan to bring more celebrities to Disney theme parks. I might also reminisce about meeting the always-glamorous Debbie Gibson in the Magic Kingdom. Who knows, Jim? Who knows? (laughs) <laughs> you can find more of jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me len at touringplans.com we're produced fabulously by aaron adams who'll be giving a crawfish lassoing and wrangling exhibition at the 2022 sabine parish fair and rodeo from september 20th through the 24th at the sabine parish fairgrounds in beautiful downtown Many, louisiana while aaron's doing that please go onto itunes and radar show and tell us what you'd like to hear next for jim this is len we will see you on the next show